A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. You were too strong for me, and you triumphed. All the day, I am an object of laughter. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I must cry out. Violence and outrage is my message. The word of the Lord has brought me derision and reproach all the day. I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak in his name no more. But then it becomes like a fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I grow weary holding it in. I cannot endure it. The word of the Lord. Speech, God. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, searching for you, my God. O God, you are my God whom I seek. For you, my flesh pines and my soul thirsts, like the earth, parched, lifeless, and without water. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. Thus have I gazed toward you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory for your kindness is a greater good than life. My lips shall glorify you. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. Thus I will bless you up while I live. Lifting up my hands, I will call upon your name. As with the riches of a banquet shall my soul be satisfied, and with exultant lips my mouth shall praise you. My soul is thirsting for you, my Lord, thirsting for you, my God. You are my help, and in the shadow of your wings I shout for joy. My soul clings fast to you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul is thirsting for you, Lord, thirsting for you, my God. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern 
what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord. No such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Beloved, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, and as a consequence, the entry of sin and death in the world, the service of God entails struggle, renunciation, and overcoming self. This is beautifully exemplified in the person of the prophet Jeremiah, who prophesied 600 years, roughly, 
before the advent of the Christ Jesus. And as it happened, Jeremiah was a young adult at the time. Many, well, I say even a, a teenager, some speculate, scholars speculate, he may have been as young as 15 years old. Remember when the Word of God came to him, as it is written in his book of his writing, Oh Lord, I, I'm too young, I can't speak. Uh, don't send me, I, I can't do it. And the Lord, of course, dealt with his insecurities and affirmed him and infused in him, literally infused in him, the word that he was to speak. And the challenge that Jeremiah had was the challenge that most of the prophets had. Whenever God had to give a word to a prophet to speak to the people, it wasn't usually to say, y'all have been doing a really great job. It was a word of correction, of fraternal correction at a time in which sin or iniquity was rampant. And Jesus, even, and even God even told Jeremiah, now listen, I'm sending you to this people and the word that you're going to have to give them is a word they're not going to like one bit. In fact, they're going to resist you. But you need you, man of God, be not afraid. For I am with you. I will be there with you to defend you. They will not overcome you. Well, so he goes forth and he makes good on the commission. He begins to do, he speaks God's word. But as a result of what he experiences, the alienation, the rejection, the renunciations, all of the, the violence, terror on every side. In fact, he was given a nickname as the prophet of known as terror on every side. And he had to speak a word of judgment to the people. And that judgment ultimately was going to come down to the Babylonians invading and the people going into exile. That was in 587 B.C. So after all of this, what we hear today, Jeremiah lamenting. He says, man, he said, Lord, you, you duped me. In some translations, you seduced me. And I, and I let myself be duped. I, I, I do your bidding, and here this thing's happening to me. What's going on? And so we hear this word. We hear the, the prophet lamenting the cross. It is indeed a, 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 quite an ordeal. I think of the book of Sirach, chapter 2, the father advising his son. He says, my son, when you go to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for an ordeal. In the second chapter of the book of Sirach, a tremendous book, by the way, of wisdom that, that, that can, it, it's really, really a wonderful writing to delve into. But if you find yourself like Jeremiah, as I often find myself, trying to be the person God has called you to be, trying to live up to the standards of the gospel, and you feel as though there is violence, there's vitriol on every side, as if you're looked upon as if you're some kind of an alien in the midst of a world that has gone wrong in sin, then Jeremiah is your prophet. Read the, the 20th chapter of the book of the, of the prophet Jeremiah in your time, leisure, time, and, and let, let yourself be validated, but also encouraged. But now we compare and contrast that to what we see in the gospel. This is a continuation of what we heard last week. Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Some say Elijah. 
Others, John the Baptist. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, isn't it interesting that one of the uh, names that was given was Jeremiah? And here we have Jeremiah highlighted for us in the first reading, setting the stage for today's gospel. What's the commonality? Well, many people saw Jesus as a new Jeremiah. As a new Jeremiah, but a Jeremiah that wasn't reluctant to embrace the will of the one sending him. In fact, we hear this is the first time, according to the Gospel of Matthew, that Jesus is predicting what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He's moving southward. In this, we continue in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. It's a transition point. It marks the end of his explicit and ex ex exclusive ministry in the region of Galilee. Now he moves into Jerusalem. For as we know, no prophet is ever put to death outside of the walls of Jerusalem. He's heading there to consummate the mission. And he speaks to us about what this entails. And as he begins to tell us this, oh, impetuous Peter, God forbid. Now, isn't that something? How comical that is. He's telling God who is God in the person of Jesus. God forbid. In other words, the audacity and the boldness of Peter. But it's a love. It's, in terms of Peter's coming at this as anybody who loves a friend. Who would want their friend to experience what we hear Jesus saying is going to happen to him? Nobody. So he's acting out of what he believes is love. But it's, mis but it's a mistaken love. It's a, it's a, it's a love that's rooted in, in this world alone, in this temporal time and space. And so you hear how he says, this is, no, this is how it's going to go. Because he's been established, because Jesus just established him as the rock, as Petros, he thinks now he has the right to tell Jesus what he's going to do and what he's not going to do, and how he's going to be and how he shouldn't be. Hi! Well, Jesus doesn't waste any time. Get behind me, Satan. Wow, that's a rebuke there. And what does that term Satan mean? In the Greek, it's Satan or it's uh, a scandalon, which is where we get the word scandal from. And in this case, this, the, the, he's so, it's like a play on words Jesus is using. You are presenting yourself as an obstacle, as a stumbling block for me. So once he was looked at and established as the building block, now he's the stumbling block. My, my, how quickly things can change. But notice in the rebuke, Jesus doesn't tell him, get away from here, don't ever come back, don't ever think about coming back. No, he says, get behind me. Because you're thinking not as God. You're thinking as a mere mortal, as a human being. And he Jesus uses this opportunity. He uses this gaffe of Peter to enlighten us as to what discipleship entails. You ask people, do they, do they uh, believe in Jesus as their Lord? They say, well, yes. But it's more than that. To be the disciple is to be the pupil, to be the student. And so Jesus tells us, what does this entail? Denial of oneself, taking up one's cross and following me. So we have to be willing to accept suffering as part and parcel of the reality of the relationship but we also have to be committed to imitation of the Lord. You notice in every one of the sanctuaries of a Roman Catholic church, the crucifix is centrally displayed. The crucifix is a cross with the corpus on it. 
You know, a lot of times our separated brothers and sisters will criticize us. You Catholics, you're, 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 you're continuing to glory, you, 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 you worship. Jesus, is, he, he rose, he died and rose from the dead. Why are you keeping him on the cross? We keep him on the cross, symbolized in the crucifix, because that's the greatest presentation of love that we have. And so long as you and I are on this side of the kingdom, that's the way. Good Friday is the way to Easter Sunday. As I've said before, we are the Easter people who live in the midst of the Good Friday world. To carry the cross with the Lord is a grace. It's a sacrifice with the Lord. Apart from the Lord, it's a drudgery. It's just, it's this senseless pain, meaningless, purposeless. But with the Lord, it's pregnant with meaning and purpose and in a paradoxical way, life. Whoever would lose his life for my sake and that of the gospel shall preserve it for life eternal. So it's always this both and dynamic that's happening. We struggle with it, rightly, and understandably, the Lord understands. Remember, as far back, early on in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 2, when he transformed water into wine. Remember what was said in the 20, I think it's the 25th, and 25th verse to the 27th verse of the second chapter of John's Gospel. Many of them began to believe in him because of the signs. But it says, Jesus Jesus would not trust himself to any of them because he knew them well. And furthermore, he did not need anyone to testify to him about human nature, for he himself knew it well. Yes, the word has become flesh and dwells among us. So let us discern what is really being presented to us here. So we already know, naturally, the normal reaction to suffering, any kind of trial and tribulation, is to be, we, we, we don't want any part of it. So that's, that's normal, okay? So don't beat yourselves up if you find yourself struggling when it comes to suffering and tribulations and trials. Even Jesus himself affirms that that's a normal expression of a human being. Remember, I'm troubled now, yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But it was for this purpose that I have come. Father, glorify your name. I have glorified it, and I shall glorify it again. And then, of course, the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, let this cup, let this chalice pass me by. But not my will, your will be done. And there we see it. The Father has willed it to be so. And since this is the case, we embrace what the Master has embraced. We follow where he has trod before us. And it's not just something that happened once and for all. It continues to happen because he abides with us. Remain in my love as I remain in you, remain in me. Yes. The word of God is affecting this child in a very similar way that it affected Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah, he said, even after receiving all of the rejection, he said, I resign myself. I'm not going to speak. I'm going to keep it to myself. But he said it was like a fire. He couldn't contain it. It burned. And we remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember that? 
As Jesus walked along with them and broke open the word of God from the beginning to the book of Revelation, he explained everything to them. And they said, were not our hearts burning within us as he opened the scriptures for us? And after realizing them in the breaking of the bread, they ran back under cover of night. All of a sudden, they had this unbelievable movement of grace in their hearts. And who could blame them? This is what Jeremiah was experiencing in our weakness. That love of God which was poured into our hearts when St. Paul speaks about when we were baptized. This is why hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. The Holy Spirit, the fire of life and love transforming us. So we thank God that we have the witness and example of Jeremiah showing us how it looks to, to be in an intimate relationship with God, to be able to speak about what we're going through. Think about the crosses you bear and that I bear, the things that we're contending with right now. The Lord is very much aware of it. But do we talk to him about it like, these, like the examples that we are given today? Oh, I couldn't say that to the Lord, Father. I, I, I would not dare say that to him. Well, why wouldn't you? He knows it's going on. And the fact that you would withhold it from him, it hurts his heart. There should be nothing you and I feel, uh, should feel that we can't speak to God about. If it bothers you, it bothers him. If it means something to you, it means something to him. I remember when I was called to the priesthood, when, I, when it was evident that the Lord was calling me to the priesthood. I said, Lord, now you know my heart. This doesn't make any sense to me, but it's clear to me that this is what you're calling me to. And look, if this is what you're calling me to, I said, now you know me. You know what my desires are. I said, you damn sure better give me the grace to do it. People say, wow, you said that? I said, of course I said it. I was thinking it. Why wouldn't I say it? But you know, once I said it, you know what happened? An unbelievable peace came over me. An unbelievable peace came over me and has sustained me to this very day. It doesn't mean I haven't had my moments. We all do. We always lash out uh, uh, to the, towards the person that we love the most, right? The ones closest to us. That's what it's all. I mean, it's just how it goes. But we hear the word of Jesus today who says, come to me, all of you who are weary, you're burdened in this life, you find it burdensome, come learn from me who am meek and gentle of heart. Take my yoke upon you, it's easy, my burden is light. What makes it easy? What makes it light? Because the one calling us to share in this work of salvation is love itself. And when love is involved, when the person calling you and I to something that is demanding, it's bearable, it's, 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 it's something we can get into because we know they are with us. He is with us. And this is about the ultimate reality of when he comes back in glory. It's couched in this light as we hear at the end. What can one give in exchange for his life or his soul? Gain this whole world and all of its possessions. What can you gain? What, what, can, what can pay for your soul? Nothing. That which is immortal will always be. It comes from God. It goes back to God. 
Jesus is assuring us that when we do it for his sake and for the sake of the gospel, we shall procure it. It doesn't cost anything to be his disciple, nothing of the material order. It costs us nothing, but it costs us everything in terms of the spiritual order. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is what it entails. Remember the last words of Jesus? I believe it's the Gospel of St. Luke. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And it's the spirit. As St. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans today, chapter 12, it's the spirit that enables us to resist conformity to the world and to put, our mind, put, to put on the mind of Christ so as to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice of praise to God in the body so that when he returns, as he says, for the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his or her conduct in the body for good or for ill. Three things I offer us for homework. It's hard to believe summer is gone. Where did it go? Where did it go? Am I the only one? Some of them say, well, I don't know where it went, but I'm glad it's going. This heat has been unbearable, Father. I'm looking forward to fall days for cool breeze. <laughs> yes, we are. But still, it begs the question, where has it gone? So, number one assignment. Talk to Jesus honestly and candidly about one of the crosses you're bearing right now. Wherever it might be, whatever it entails. You have many, I'm sure. You can, but choose the main one. Speak to him about it. Talk to him about how it's, it seems so unbearable. And it's, I don't know. You, I, you, like you feel like you've, like you've been fooled into something. Lord, you've duped me. You didn't tell me, the, you didn't tell me about all this. Speak to him. Secondly, tell the Lord about the Veronicas and the Simons of Cyrene that have helped you in little ways that you didn't expect. Lord, I, I thought, I just when I thought you didn't mind me, you didn't know, you didn't care, you sent this person into my life, and it was not a big thing, but it was a small thing that they did, but it made all the difference for me. Thank you, Lord. And also talk to him about the times when you have been the Veronica or the Simon of Cyrene for someone else going through a difficulty on the way. And thirdly and most importantly, thank him and praise him for everything. Thank the Lord and praise him for everything. As St. Paul reminds us, for this is your salvation in every circumstance offer thanks and praise to God. For God is using all of this to perfect you and I in holiness of life. God love you.